Ines Agal, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here in your space, which is really nice. Thank you. Podcasts are just better when they're in person. I think everything's better in person. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not just podcasts. Yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about colours. And I think the title of your book is The Secret Language of Colours. Is that right? I've got a card deck, The Secret Language of Colour. Yeah. Um, but I have several books. That I think the book you're referring to is The Secret Language of Your Body. Got it. And you <laughs> reference colour a lot, yeah. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is um, I think The Secret Language is a great way to preface it because it's not immediately obvious to most people a, the power of the body and its ability to heal, um, but also the power of colours. You know, it comes up a lot in our space because in our saunas we have the ability to change the colour in the sauna. And we get so many questions like, what does blue do? <laughs> <laughs> Why should I use orange? <laughs> um, and so I feel like I'm talking to the right person to maybe answer some of those questions. Um, although it may not be as simple as that. Somewhat is simple. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, yeah, we kind of covered it in a previous episode, but tell me a bit about how you kind of got, uh, I guess, came across the, the knowing that you have in, in terms of colours and, and the healing of the body. Well, uh, for me, it's been, I, I think most people come to this journey based on not feeling too good <laughs> and so it's a big motivational factor and and I feel for most people there is a moment where you have to make a choice in which way you're going to go a way to feel bad and feel like a victim or in a way of you know what am I going to do to transform what am I going to do to strengthen myself and especially if you're sick I mean, there are people, I'm sure, who go through life and they hardly ever get sick, but mostly people get sick. <laughs> and and some of us have more challenges. And so for me, it was really, I felt like I was on this bit of a roller coaster of not knowing how to heal, like just going round, round in circles. And for me, the issues that I had was really bad back pain, lower back, where my back would get twisted and stuck. I had psoriasis on my skin, which is not a pleasant skin condition <laughs> to have, especially early on. And I also had digestive issues where I was finding it hard to digest food and um, lots of pain in relation to that. And so all of that in combination was causing anxiety but the back pain was the worst. And so I was going to see all sorts of different people for healing, but with an attitude that somebody else was really the person that knows and has the skill and I don't, and I'm just there to plonk myself on, you know, the couch or bed or whatever and get them to do whatever Fix it is. Fix me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like the point that I had, you know, that changed everything was in my very early 20s where I felt like this had been going on for years at that point. And I went to see this chiropractor because I was probably in the most agony that I'd been. And he 
basically didn't even let me come into his office. He just came out. I was sitting kind of in his you know waiting room and he just said, hey, your body's stuck. And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I need help. And he was like, no, it wants to be stuck. Go home. And <laughs> I felt like in that moment which where a lot of rage came up, it was like, hmm, my body – wants to be stuck what does that mean you know what it has its own language it has its own way and I guess I felt like everything that I've done since that moment has been really about discovering what is this language what was he talking about you know what's my body saying when it's stuck or it doesn't want to move or you know what's the wisdom that it has and when I really connected with it, I experienced my own transformation and healing. And then I also realized that I could help a lot of other people with it the same way that I helped myself. So then it's been years of study and understanding and tuning in. And in that moment, I also found that my ability to see into people's bodies or into their space awakened and then it was just been a matter of refining and working with that as well to understand it further. That would have, uh, were you very, uh, say, spiritual at the time when he told you that? I was, I feel like I was very skeptical at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More yeah. skeptical than That was spiritual. my point. Like if you're not in that world and someone says that to you, that would have enraged me. <laughs> you know, like what do you mean my body wants to be stuck, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was enraged. <laughs> yeah. say. But I, I would say what was really interesting for me at the time is because I was so, so young as well, um, I – had studied acting for quite a while and that was my passion. And what I found was that when you would study acting, you would have to, or maybe not had to, but where I was studying it, you had to learn about things like breath or presence or how to meditate, how to visualize. And so those were already familiar to me through that sphere of discovering myself through drama and theatre and acting. And so I kind of went, well, I'm just going to use that to discover what's going on within. Mm, mm. Yeah, the ability to go within (laughs) and see what's in there. Yeah. Do you find sometimes in life and given what you know and your experience that sometimes you find it harder to say go within and unpack what needs to be unpacked than other times? Absolutely. I feel like – when we're very emotional, it's very difficult to go in. To really have an objective understanding, you have to be calm. And so when we're in an emotional state, it's like to just go in is probably not the way I would guide people anymore. Um, I feel like you'd work with those feelings as much as you could, but in a very, very different way. Firstly, to acknowledge them and move them, usually move them through through moving your body. And then you would, once you've calmed down, you would go into this journey of exploring. And of course, there's also that aspect of, am I ready to know this? You know, and the readiness is, is such a big 
I guess, point to discuss because what does that actually mean, you know? At what point do you get ready? It's almost like you just, you know, when you have a child, are you ready (laughs) to have a child? (laughs) You know, you might think so and there might be a better time (laughs) to have one. But essentially, I feel like going on a journey within is a challenging thing. It's confrontational because, and this is where you need objectivity because essentially you're confronting the parts of you that are stunted and haven't grown and are childlike or teenage-like. Um, I find with men it's more teenage than child right. <laughs> or in between sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, um, you have to then find a way to work with. You know, and then it's also that level of trauma that somebody has that I guess how do you go in and not just re-traumatize yourself, (laughs) which is easy to do as well. Yeah, yeah. But work with it in a way that it keeps taking you somewhere further, in which case that further also needs to be connected to a spiritual understanding, I feel. Mm. Because otherwise, what's the point, right? And so we have to, at some point, I always say to people, when, whenever anyone comes to me or works with me or does, you know, healing type of workshops with me, they might come because they have an illness or they might come because their life's not working or they're, you know, they don't know how to work with their emotions. But eventually they get to a point where it's like, why am I doing this? You know, and who am I as a soul spiritual being? And this is when it becomes interesting, I feel. Yeah, those existential questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you think that we can decide when we're ready or is it really up to the body to tell us when we're ready to perhaps, let me give you an example. Say someone's dealing with something that um, they carry a lot of shame around, right? Now, is it up to them to consciously say, okay, it's time to start tackling my shame, you know, or is it more just through the flow and the ebb of life, they'll arrive at this point where naturally they just start unpacking it because the body's ready at that time. Or is it something completely different? I'm kind of curious to your take. I feel that it could happen like the way you're saying, but my experience is with something as deep as shame because it's easy to say it and it's one of the hardest things to really look at and work through. Um, Either life is really, you know, showing you that or your physical health, you have a condition that you're ashamed of and it kind of is in your face or you get, and this is more of an ideal way, is you get to a place where internally you strengthen your sense of self, your sense of I am, because to go deep into feelings like that shakes you. And people who don't have a really strong sense of self, they can fall apart and actually create all sorts of mental disorders or anxiety that doesn't go away because they've kind of gone, okay, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to just go for it. So I feel like, especially with big emotions, we have to tread carefully. We have to do it very respectfully, essentially, with honour, with going, 
all right, you know, at which point are you going to be ready to face something, you know, in yourself? And then facing is one thing, but then you've got to learn how to transform it Mm. and allow an aspect of you, I feel, that is holding the shame, for example, to grow. Because when we're looking at something like that, we're looking at, well, what is it about? When did it happen? Who is it related to besides yourself? I mean, like, you know, were you in a family that who were shaming you? How does it come out of you? You know, if that particular part of you had an archetypal form, what would it be? And I actually found, you know, especially with emotional work, and I've been doing this for over 20 years now, if you work with it in more of um, understanding and as an archetype, it is so much easier and faster than directly working with a particular feeling that at times, especially if you have, let's say, a hormonal imbalance or something, you know, thyroid, Emotions can become a never-ending well. It's just like, when do I come to the end of this feeling? Because it's so deep. There could be years of, you know, shutdown or, or layers. And then you don't know if it's working because tomorrow you've, you know, you might have another episode and you have nothing to connect with or to understand how am I changing and transforming. So they become very, it's like a big experience that doesn't have any borders around it. So you're saying to like label it as an archetype to kind of give us some space from it? Well, I feel like when you, maybe not using the word label it, but when you (laughs) see it or allow it to take that form, it becomes real for you Mm. and you have objectivity, like you're saying, you know, you, you have some space and you also have the opportunity to see that part of you that's carrying this shame transform and grow. And I feel like most of us, in terms of our human nature, we need to know that something's changing for the better, especially when we're doing healing. And when we don't see that, we we tend to give up. (laughs) Yeah, it's too hard. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, okay. And what is it about shame that is so difficult or so big to work with? And what are the other kind of feelings that sit at that same level that can be so deeply rooted? Well, I feel that shame is something that we suppress a lot and it's almost like, and we judge massively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like when someone feels ashamed, they're walking around with that sense of that everybody's on the attack and on, you know, and judging them and they usually feel like their self-esteem becomes very small or they become aggressive to protect themselves from that feeling. And it's a feeling that essentially makes you feel drained, it makes you feel low, it makes you feel small. And I feel like when somebody's in that, it's really hard for them to find their sense of self and to actually go, well, hold on a sec, what's this shame about and 
how can I work with this? And there's people who do, and they become, you know, they bring something creative in the world, and we've seen that. But um, it's almost like I have to hide, you know, this has got to be hidden, you know, so that others would love me. And there's a, a big sense of I'm unlovable. You know, no one will love me. No one will want me. And a rejection, an abandonment. So I feel like it has all of this feelings and emotions connected to it. Mm. How important is finding uh, a safe space to start to share the things, one, how, how many things there are that you experience shame with, you know, to kind of like air it out? Because from my experience, I find like when you're in a safe space and you actually just share a bit of that, it kind of like, uh, it kind of feels like you're kind of releasing it in some way. Absolutely. And I feel like there's an acceptance. And from there, if you can find, and the word is safe, obviously, if you can find that space, then there is a, that sense of, I guess, seeing it in a, from another point of view and also going, if I can share it and if others can witness and make me feel like I'm still acceptable, I can, the healing and the strength of healing that appears is incredible. Mm. It's, it's amplified. Mm. It makes me think of um, a, a similar way that the brain works uh, with addiction. Um, to the addicted person, not uh, partaking in whatever that activity is for you that you're addicted to. If you don't do that, there's parts of the brain that literally think that you'll be annihilated, Mm. you know, that you can't exist if that doesn't happen. And I think it's something similar with um, shame is that you feel like if I, if people know this, you know, or if I share this with the world, I like, I'm going to be annihilated, Mm. you know? And then when you're in that space and you do share a bit of it, and then there's this co-regulation happening with others in the room and then people are just like hug you or just, you know, they're just there and there's no judgment. Like the transformation that can come from those little moments I think is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And whilst we're down talking about shame, what are some other uh, experiences that are equally as charged as, as shame? Well, I feel like... We have a lot of depression in the world, essentially. And to me, again, depression is this disassociation from most of yourself. And it's shutting down of the heart. It's shutting down of anger and passion. And I feel like one of the big things that people find really difficult to deal with is anger in general because we all have it <laughs> to different degrees. Part of the human experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. And um, and I remember actually listening to this lady who talks a lot about relationships and she was mentioning that, you know, women in particular, they want to find a man that's safe, that's not angry. But she was saying, look, if you find somebody who doesn't have any anger, usually they'll have depression because there is a natural aspect within ourselves of going, this is not okay. So anger is a response. 
essentially for a lot of people it's a reaction that they don't know how to deal with and it's quite a difficult one that you know creates all sorts of challenges but when we befriend it then we can go well I have anger but how do I direct it you know what's the way that I can direct it and when it's directed within is also when we have um self-harm and we're also seeing so much of that with teenagers at the moment where they don't know what to do with the feelings they have so the only way to control something often is to attack yourself you know and so I feel like again when we start to go well how do I channel feelings in a way that makes me grow and how do I use whatever is happening to keep coming back not to be always in a space that I'm not good enough so it's not about that but to be in that space of how do I keep strengthening and responding and I guess mastering what is coming towards me. One of the things that I'm always inspired by when I read, and it was from Rudolf Steiner who wrote it, he talks about how, you know, mastery means that whatever is coming at you before it has a capacity to even enter anywhere Mm. near you, you're so conscious that you meet it and thus you have choice, right? And... To me, you know, that that is such a great thing to work towards, you know, (laughs) in the understanding of going, oh, wow, you know, I am, you know, really kind of in charge of my life, which takes a lot of work (laughs) inside of yourself as well and a lot of development and space. And so, yeah, I feel like when we start to, firstly befriend our feelings and recognize that whether it's shame, whether it's rejection, whether it's betrayal, whether it's depression, whether it's anger, there is a wisdom in there, you know, and what we don't like is when we're kind of shut away from that wisdom and we're just feeling the feeling and we keep thinking, I don't want this. You know, and so much, again, of um, addictions are about that as well. It's like, I don't want that feeling, you know, what's going to change the feeling immediately? (sighs) Easier said than done sometimes. (laughs) Um, And lastly on that topic, I know you're going to say this is a really big answer, Alex, um, but what are some of the ways that some of those experiences show up physically if we don't address them? I feel like exhaustion is one of the bigger ones that people experience. It's almost like, you know, there's so much going on within and they're so outside of themselves that they don't know. It's like, where do you start? You know, there's so much happening on the physical level. When we talk about shame, it's very connected to the reproductive system. Mm. So people often develop all sorts of reproductive conditions. So women have major issues when they have their periods. They have you know pain. They issues with pregnancy, infertility, because endometriosis. That sort yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, hugely, and you know prostate for men as a general one, but hip area as well. You know, because it's almost like 
I can't allow myself to to move. Mm. And um, it's also like the it's like the root. Well, it is, yeah. Right? It's like yeah. the fundamental yeah. you know piece there, and it kind of makes sense to me that something so deep rooted, like we use yeah. that language a lot. Yeah. That's a really deeply rooted thing. It's like, yeah, it's, it's affecting everything around the, the root chakra. Yeah, and who you are. Mm. Like it's like this is me, you know, at the deepest level of the base. I mean, everything, depression shuts down the heart and so you start having heart issues. You start having lung issues because you can't breathe properly when you're depressed. Um, when you feel like you're shut down and you can't be yourself or you can't communicate, you have throat issues and thyroid that starts to kind of be impacted. When there's a lot of fear, you have lungs and kidneys that start to kind of degenerate and um, adrenal glands when it's like, you know, massive fear or trauma where you're like, you're literally burning yourself out from within and stress. So um, liver is connected again, not knowing how to deal with the anger and with, you know, addictions is kind of a liver Mm. challenge Mm. because it's like, oh, I just want to push you away Mm. and push you down. So, yeah, I kind of feel like every part of the body has this wisdom that it holds and then it tells you. And so like digestive system, for example, is so connected to our experiences and, and, and it's a daily one. I think someone asked me last year, they were saying, cause I've been very honest. I've said in terms of my back pain and, and actual structure of my back, it's been perfect. I've never had an issue since I did my own healing and neither with the skin, but with my digestive system, which has a connection to the skin, of course, that's been so much harder because I have to digest my experiences daily. You know? right. And if I'm, um, you know, firstly in my position dealing with so many people constantly, then at times you're like, oh, my God, I can't simulate everything, you know. And on top of that, I feel that it's very, digestive system is very connected to ancestry and to family. And when things have not been processed for years in terms of your family, then you get born with weaknesses. And so for me, it's that. It's like my grandparents have been through the war um, my grandmother was one of eight children and she, um, her mom was psychic and she actually said to her, you know, you're the only one who's going to survive the war out of all the children. And her mom was literally shot as she was saving her life. And so it's so traumatizing. And my grandmother, what she did to survive was just to freeze everything and she was able to do that by freezing herself internally. Yeah. But then it comes out, you know, in weaknesses in others and definitely myself. And so it's been that challenge of going, how do I fully assimilate something that wasn't even my experience, you know, and that was so big, so much loss, so much trauma. And so... Certain 
things like that take so much longer if you want to do it properly because it's like, you know, I'm trying to assimilate and transform things that are not necessarily just connected to me. Generational trauma is such mm. a thing. Mm. Like, I used to be so sceptical. Like I had to hear people say that and I'm like, yeah, but like what do you mean? It's just so clear, like you read people like Bruce Lipton and he just explains how, you know, our epigenetics will change based on our experiences and we pass that on to our kids. It's like it's literally the trauma is in our children's blood, you know, it's like, (laughs) and it's um, if we don't do something about it, it's going to be our kids who are going to have to do something about it. Yeah, and their kids. Exactly. And it just yeah. keeps going. Yeah. Totally. Someone has to take responsibility at some point. <laughs> but that's hard enough. It's hard I know. to take responsibility. <laughs> I know. That's why whenever, um, when I started teaching and I was doing workshops and I realized this, it was like, oh, my God, this is not just my own stuff. And especially when, you know, things happen very young. And so I started saying to everyone in my family, hey, you know, <laughs> come do this workshop. <laughs> Please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I kind of need you to. <laughs> and they were like, how long is it again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, um, people pay for this. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our family is the hard, it's the hardest uh, space to do this kind of stuff with, you know, like this. Um, I actually forgot I saw my brother recently and he said, oh, do you remember when I did that workshop you were teaching? And I was like, (laughs) you did the workshop? (laughs) (laughs) Can't see any changes. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So let's start to talk about maybe a daily practice or something we can do once a week to start to maybe, if we're open to do a bit of self-inquiry, scratch the surface on maybe some of these bigger topics if we're ready. Yeah, and then start to talk to me about how I can bring colour into that and how we can work with colour and the other things that we can work with as we do these practices. I feel like when we're developing a practice, we need to break it down in terms of morning, afternoon and evening (laughs) essentially. And so in the morning, the first thing – thing in the morning is probably one of the most important and so having either a meditation an intention and a check in a connection into your body is really powerful so for example before you open your eyes just taking slow deep breaths and scanning your body and going where am I feeling what you know am I feeling where's the tension and what's the tension about? And, you know, for a lot of people, <laughs> they have neck tension when they wake up. So um, exploring that area and, you know, even with intention, I find reflecting on my day and going, what do I need to do today and which aspects of myself are required? And that might be, as an example, I am um, – going to see my children and I have conflict with them and I want to communicate with them better. So actually having a moment to visualize how you can communicate with them and, and get a better result is part of that intention that really strengthens you in the morning. 
And what I encourage people to do is to connect little practices through the day. So when I'm brushing my teeth, can you look into your eyes, for example, and go, can you acknowledge something positive? When you're having a shower, you know, can you... Um, touch your body as you're, you know, or massage it while you're washing yourself and say something pleasant or acknowledge something or, you know, give yourself a little massage or something that helps you to reconnect more to yourself. Um, Colour is one of the easiest ways to do that through the day. So when we're looking at colour, we might go, well, a really cool exercise to do is to actually go, when I wake up today, if there was a colour that represented my mood, what would it be? Yeah, (laughs) I love that. And this mood, you know, how does it, I guess, appear? How does it, what does it look like in my, you know, daily interaction with somebody? So what I found, for example, is that most people, especially in relationships, as they get into relationship after a while, they end up having these colours that they show their partner over and over again and they're the same ones and they get very boring after a while and you're just like, oh, give me something new. And this is why people go and look for somebody else because they essentially, they don't even know why often, but it's like, I want something new. I want something different. I want something unique. And so let's say you wake up and you go, the colour is green, but it feels like an off green. So what is that about and how can I let that go? And again, one of the ways that I talk about it, which I think is the simplest, easiest ways, is to just go, where is this energy? What's it about? Can I acknowledge it? And then can I literally physically take it out and let it go and place it into, you know, a purple flame, which is a colour that dissolves dense energy? And then can I come back and go, you know what? what does green mean to me? And so green naturally is about healing, vitality, regeneration, sensuality, nurturing, strengthens your heart, cleanses your nervous system and regenerates it. So you might go, oh, okay, well, you know, if I felt green in my arms, how would I move? You know, if I felt it in my legs, how would I move? And so it changes your whole I guess, perspective and and experience. And then the next day you might wake up Mm. and go, what about orange, you know? Um, Or you might go, you know what? I need more vitality. So I'm going to work with orange because it's, orange is about creativity and vitality. And that's what I need because I feel a bit off, you know? And so I'm going to, one of the, the ways to do it is to go, which part of my body would benefit from orange? And so I could rub my hands together, you know, for about 30 seconds and then visualize an orange ball of energy and then bring it towards my chest and really breathe it in. And then, you know, eating orange food that day, wearing an orange, you know, anything <laughs> a day, um, just connecting with that color and 
but consciously. So most people put on their clothes and it's completely unconscious. We do it every day. But what if you were conscious with what you put in your mouth, what you put on your clothes, you know, on your body, and you took that extra 30 seconds to actually be with it? You know, I feel like it becomes different, you know, it becomes like, oh, I'm consciously helping myself, you know, and then again, you can go, well, another day you wake up and you go, you know what, I feel like I need more vitality, I need more dynamism, I need more strength, I'm going to look at red, you know, and I'm going to imagine this red going through my blood, you know, and, and cleansing my blood, yeah, or I'm going to imagine it in my feet because I just feel like I'm all over the shop, you know, and I need to just ground and bring myself back. So I feel like color is so powerful in a sense that it's available, it's easy. You know, it's, it's like I just have to close my eyes and visualize it or and people go, but I'm not good at visualizing, but you know what the color looks like so you can think about it. It's not about the visual of the color, it's the feeling, Mm. you know? And so it's like, what does pink feel like and how is it different to blue, you know? Again, when we're exploring these colors, we kind of go, well, blue is a cooling color. Red is more of a hot color, you know? So if I'm depressed, I need more red. I'm missing red. You know, and I actually want to be as far away from blue as I can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if I'm um, feeling angry, I want blue. <laughs> you know, like I need to be in the <laughs> rain of blue. Yeah, <laughs> you know, quickly. To, <laughs> you know, and actually reminds me, it's amazing to use color with children and to work with them. Especially, I remember with my daughter, whenever she had a fever, I never give her any medication. And I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, we're going to imagine a bubble of blue going into your head and you need to breathe that in and receive it inside yourself. And the same with confidence, the same with friendships, all sorts of things that um, sleep that I'd work with my children when they were younger. And I remember, and this is quite funny, that my daughter must have been uh, four and she came back from kinder and she stood there with her little legs and she was like I'm not happy (laughs) and she was just doing it with her arms and her legs she's like I'm not happy (laughs) and and then I heard um my son and he was in another room and he literally ran out of that room into the um kitchen and he's like quick quick Ange look at pink look at pink you're gonna be happy (laughs) and she said but I'm wearing pink. And he's like, well, look at it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so funny because like she literally shifted in a moment. I actually ended up doing um, a little audio with, oh, they they did an audio on color healing for children because it was so powerful and easy to use with them. And, you know, this, you just had to remind and be very creative, you know, and then they would go, Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hearing like a real, um, this feels like a really playful thing to do, not just with kids, but even with ourselves, you know, just like tuning in a little bit and not overthinking it, not being like, oh, 
I don't know what color or whatever. Like, it's like, just, yes, you do. Mm. You know, just listen. Yeah. You know, it might be purple. Cool. Why is that? Why is that coming up? You know, mm. and not trying to like intellectualize, oh, but purple, I know <laughs> what purple means. <laughs> you know, it's just like, just see, just, it'll come up. You know, even if it's just one word or something like that that comes up, then explore that, you know, with curiosity. Absolutely. And I think the curiosity is the beautiful thing, you know, and it's also colors are connected to feelings. So they're extremely connected. That's why I'm saying feel, don't think it right. And don't worry about visualizing it and actually start to look at your life and go, when am I the happiest? Mm. And what is the color, you know, that is associated with happiness? I remember thinking about it and I was like, when have I been at my happiest time? And I absolutely love Europe and I love Paris. I've worked there a million times and I I just have so many friends there. I love looking around. I'm just happy when I'm there. And I was like, what's the color, you know, of this? And this is quite a few years ago. <laughs> and the color that came to me, it was like fuchsia pink. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. So I can bring that more into my inner being to strengthen that feeling of happiness because I don't want to just be happy when I'm in Paris because what about all the days? So <laughs> <But> you're not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's great. And it's also very powerful again if we come back to relationships where you go you start to become conscious that you know I just keep showing these colors you know to my partner and to myself and I'm bored (laughs) and you go you know I need to expand and so like you said well let's say purple comes what does purple make me feel and what does it make me feel like doing and I really encourage people to work with colors they're uncomfortable with Mm. as well because you know we stay in this little comfort zone and we go oh yeah I'm just gonna do green blue and red (laughs) that's it because I like them (laughs) yeah Yeah. you know as opposed to well you know here I am with this color and and it's not just the color it's also what's the shade of it you know and essentially, it's really about doing it for yourself first. It's not about, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, my partner's going to like me more <laughs> because, you know, eventually you're going to stop. But if you go, how do I do this in myself more, it becomes creative. You become creative and you don't know what shows up. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun wearing colors. Yeah. What's your edgy color? Mine. (laughs) I just feel like I am constantly exploring colors. So there is no color that I don't like. (laughs) So like I, yeah, I love my yellow. (laughs) And you know my oranges and reds. And I'm just like, I think black is probably the one I wear the least. I mean, there's a bit of black here, but like I have some, and I've actually bought some because I was like. You know what? It's okay to wear black too sometimes because (laughs) if you look at my wardrobe, there's almost very, very little black. (laughs) And I was like, that could be the color because, (laughs) you know, I've tried to move away so much from it. Yeah. You know, but I think gold is probably one of those harder ones to wear. Yeah. That's loud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh. (laughs) Mm, I really like that. Let's have some fun. 
with the colours. This episode is brought to you by Found Space, Australia and New Zealand's premium infrared sauna company. Ready to sauna? Ready to take your health to a higher level? Make your home a place of wellness with Found Space. Visit foundspace.com.au or foundspace.co.nz to learn more. You kind of talk through some of the characteristics of colours really nicely. Talk through orange, talk through green, red. Tell me a bit more about blue. I think blue is one of those really beautiful colours because it's so useful in so many ways. It's an amazing colour for just cleansing your whole space in your aura. It's, it's almost like, oh, you know, I have this yucky dark energy and I'm just going to bring it in and mm. cleanse it out. Um, it really calms the nervous system. So what I say is that, again, you know, when we get any type of anxiety or tension, it's just bringing it calming it down, bringing it through the nervous system, visualising through or wearing it close, you know, so you can (laughs) remind yourself. Blue is also a really amazing colour in terms of clarity, you know, and your ability to think better. It's a colour that's more objective. So what it does in communication is it allows you to keep calm, you know, and to listen and really hear somebody as opposed to just react. It's not a warm colour. So if people, let's say, are doing chakra work and, you know, work with it around that throat area and somebody else comes into their space, they may not feel like, oh, I feel the warmth of yellow or orange. You know, they'll feel like, okay, you're a bit, you know, objective here. (laughs) But... In meetings and things like that, it's wonderful, you know, when you're negotiating or discussing something. So even though it is the colour of the chakra, it doesn't mean you actually always want to work with it Mm. for communication. It depends what you're looking for. But it it depends on the shade of blue. Uh, The turquoise shade has much more of a wisdom. It's like, you know, how do I connect to the deeper wisdom of both myself and my ancestors? So it's um, just a really beautiful, healing, calming color. Mm. And how about um, I'm thinking of Reiki now and I'm thinking like white, white light. When could we use white? I feel like white is very, again, purifying, cleansing, but it can also make you feel really washed out. So like if ever I tune into somebody and it looks really white all around them, I'm concerned because I'm like, what are you numbing? (laughs) But essentially white is very gentle and it's a cleansing color and it is amazing when you combine. Most of the other colors, I don't really recommend to combine them because they actually create more of a conflict inside if you start combining because so it's like I don't want red to be spilling over with purple, for example, even though they're connected because your inner self starts to get confused in terms of what to do. And so ideally we want to do one color at a time except white, you know. So let's say I want to work with gold. (laughs) And gold is a super powerful color, but it's overwhelming color. Mm. It's, you know, it needs to be used in very small amounts. Mm. 
just as red is. So I might want to add a little bit of white to calm the gold down or the, you know, or calm the red down just so that, you know, I can still kind of have the benefits without the overwhelm. And I remember um, I went to the US one time and one of the ladies who was helping me from, and she was working with my publisher, she said, you know, I'm working with the colors. I love them, but I really feel overwhelmed when I use them. And I said to her, what are you doing? And she said, well, every day, you know, when I wake up, I spend five minutes just meditating on gold and, <laughs> you know, and it goes through my whole nervous system. And I was like, wow, <laughs> way too much. <laughs> you know, that's why you feel hectic and overwhelmed and chaotic. So, you know, each color needs to be balanced and needs to be used again with honor, with some understanding of, you know, when to use it and why to use it. So again, um, the cooler colors you know, cool you down. So you're, let's say if you have an issue with your blood, like a lot of people are right now, you don't want to add more blue to your blood, you know, and your blood and you have circulatory issues and your blood is sticky. Like, you know, again, you'd want to be careful with how much blue you use. I might use a little bit of it to cleanse, but not a lot, and then bring you know, red or, or green straight afterwards to balance it out. So I feel like there's a lot of, I guess, a little bit of misunderstanding about qualities as well, like heat and cold and what they do, you know, and at times people take one or the other too far, right? you know, and you want to go, well, hold on, let's balance this in terms of understanding what your body needs. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, what's your take on, like, the big red light therapy devices? People, like, bathe in them. They just emit a specific frequency of red light only. Okay. And you can, like, lie down in them. Should we be considering perhaps um, there's obviously physiological benefits to red light therapy, but mm. there may be times when that's not suitable, right? Literally yeah. being bathed in red light everywhere yeah. could be a bit much. Yeah, I would say if somebody has a lot of emotional issues that are unbalanced, then I wouldn't be using red light mm. therapy too much because they would stimulate more of that, you know, and certain blood conditions or pain like people when they have major headaches. So you want to use blue light therapy then mm. and not red light therapy, mm. right, mm. to calm the headache down because red will, you know, create so much more inflammation mm. and other mm. things. So mm. you... Yeah, it's like if I have lack of energy and depression, definitely go for it. You know, lie there for as long as you know, <laughs> for you days. <laughs> Maybe not days, but yeah, you know. So yeah, it's definitely that we don't understand color, so we're just like, oh, we'll just do anything with it. And a lot of it can be very playful, as we're saying. But some of it, like for example, too much orange can actually pull out traumas. <laughs> From you, right. so you know, um, yeah, it's it's just being having that balance of life in general. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you've got a new card deck and a new book, right? Yeah. Talk, talk me through it. What do we got? <laughs> so it was really interesting for me to write the secret language of your soul card deck because it was 
equivalent of writing a book, to be honest. <laughs> and what I wanted to do originally was to, when I first wrote my book, The Secret Language of Your Body, you know, it was a while ago, <laughs> it was like 15 years ago or something, and Obviously, I was in one state of understanding things, but, you know, as a teacher and as, I guess, a person that is always inquiring, you're always growing you and evolve. learning more. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I want to give you some more <laughs> info now, you yeah. know, some more understanding. And so when the idea came up to do this card deck, it was really about how do we honor you know, different parts of our body really. So it's not so much about diseases, but, and also how do we see that there could be a theme connected to each part that whether the theme is showing up in your life or whether the body issue is showing up, there is an opportunity to explore. And ideally it comes first as a theme and usually it does come first as a theme, yeah. you know, to look at. So I'll just give you a few examples here. Um, so it could be like heal your masculine aspects, mm. you know. And so again, we're looking at what I've put here, for example, is some information on what's going on, what is that, you know, where is that showing up from? So it could be like, you know, evaluate, determine and act. So disharmony between your feminine and masculine aspects can manifest as extreme focus or fixation and pushing against the tides of life, forcing what doesn't want to be or trying to run away. So, you know, there's an explanation and kind of an encouragement of what this card is asking you to look at, but then there's a healing practice for each one and it might look like journaling or it might look like meditating or doing a process and a process could look like, you know, looking at a painful incident from your past that may have lost, uh, caused you to lose faith in yourself, like a failure or a decision, you know, that now you've got to be safe so you're not going to go and do anything mm. to really expand yourself. And the card is really saying, hey, you know, can you look at this perspective, you know, that you took on earlier on and is it really helping you? Yeah, and so, but each one is also connected to some part of the body that, you know, where there's an opportunity to go, oh, you know, maybe this is my leg, you know, my, you know, uh, on my knee or my shoulder. Um, you know, obviously if we're looking at masculine, it'd be more right or feminine, more left. And what's it really showing me? And it's, what it does is it just makes it so much easier to hone in, you know, and so the cards are there just to create a lot more loving support for people to work with their body, you know, and also their inner state. Yeah. It's also, you know, we're talking about practices. It's a great practice to pull a card each morning kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, so doing a card and then we, yeah, we started with morning, you know, and then 
because most people work in the afternoon. It's like colour in the afternoon is probably, you know, and they get tired is yeah. where you go, okay, I have 30 seconds or I have a minute, let me just visualise or feel a colour and send it to myself. You know, that could be part of the practice and an evening practice. Again, depends on the person, you know, what situation you're in, but it could really be it, you know, either reflecting on the day and what happened, how you could do things better <laughs> without judging yourself, or an evening practice could be really, you know, focusing on a particular part of your body and exploring it. Or it could be a spiritual practice of, you know, doing a particular meditation and allowing it to help you with more understanding. Nice. And can you buy this now? Yes, yeah, people can buy it. Cool. Where yeah. can you buy it? I just feel like if you put in a seagull and, you know, secret language of your soul online, it'll come, it'll up. come up too. Awesome. <laughs> but I'm working on, you know, hopefully by the time people listen to it, my shop will be available <laughs> online so you can buy it at innerseagull.com. The artwork's really beautiful. Yeah, just I loved um, the artwork for, I guess, because it's, we were trying to explore that emotional internal state and express it, you know, mm. as opposed to, um, you know, something very specific. It was like, oh, this is the feeling, you know, mm. of what I guess this aspect or a theme for you to look at is about. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like all these different kinds of uh, mandalas, if you will, mm. um, kind of around this theme of like oneness in the center and then they expand out. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're beautiful. Some good messages in here too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could go through each card mm-hmm. and do a podcast on mm-hmm. each one. <laughs> awesome. And tell me about your book, which I love the title, by the way. <laughs> Understanding Modern Spirituality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, the book was a really interesting undertaking because it first came out of the idea where I, I guess, after being in this industry for quite some time, I got to a point in my early 30s where I felt like it was the same information over and over again that was being regurgitated or that, that I was saying. So I'm not judging anybody else because I was <laughs> saying it, you know, yeah. as well. And I was like, I'm getting, I feel like there's much more. But I also feel like somehow, you know, I'm wearing this hat, you know, and I can't reach to something more. And so I was praying to find deeper and further information, but I also had this blockage on reading things that were old (laughs) at the time. And um, essentially I ended up coming across some books that were pretty old, you know, and connected to, you know, we're written over a hundred years old and we're connected to pretty deep, profound mystery knowledge. And when I say a few like hundreds yeah. <laughs> of books <Yeah. laughs> on these different topics and it started with one, I have to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I guess I was in a theme in my life and a scenario and experience where that information was really important to me to look at. And it was very challenging because it challenged everything that I believed spiritually up till then and everything that I was kind of teaching and doing. And I I had a, a mini break, I should say, where I had to stop everything and sit with 
what is truth for me? You know, because I felt like I had started on this journey, as you could probably relate, because it sounds like you have very, very early on. And I just kind of was absorbing and meeting a lot of really interesting people and interviewing them as well. And I didn't sit there and go, how much of this feels really resonates with me? I did that when it came to healing, but not when it came to spiritual understandings. And so I felt like in my 30s, I was more mature, you know, and more grounded, I more space within myself to explore and experiment. And so I started looking into this mystery schools, mystery knowledge, that had been hidden in particular and the reason, you know, why it was hidden and it wasn't easy mm-hmm. knowledge. Yeah. And then I kind of, you know, sat with it for a few years and let it digest inside of me. And then I started posting just little bits of information about what I had learned and seeing how people were going to respond to it on my Facebook. And the responses were a lot more enthusiastic than what I thought they would be, you know, and people were actually really interested. And at the same time, I was in Sydney and my publisher said, hey, you know, we'd love for you to write a book, but it needs to be something where people can literally open up on any page and read, you know, a little, I guess, gem. And this is the kind of book we want what do you think? And I was like, well, actually, you know, this is what I'm doing with um, posting and I wonder if I can create a few different themes and put it all together in a book. And they were like, yep, love it. (laughs) Go ahead. Then it took five years (laughs) to do. But yeah, I started to kind of, I mean, some of the themes here that I'm exploring are pretty big ones. So, you know, we're looking at, how do we see the bigger picture? And I think it's so relevant right now with everything that's going on because as much as I'm giving insights and my own understandings in this book, I'm also asking the person who's reading it to really go within and look, you know, and to ask questions that maybe they've never thought of, you know, and they've never considered and then start searching for, you know, what's an answer for you that's going to sustain you in wanting to grow here you know and so some of the stuff that I cover like the subtle bodies because you know and these bodies are astral etheric um the ego and again I feel like there's so much information out there where People have done what I used to do as well, which is like because they're busy they'll just take this bit and that bit and the other bit but I think for me, the ability to sit and tune in and get the essence of something has been such a profound gift because, you know, I'd sit with it and then I'd practice it and then I'd watch it and then I'd, you know, bring it into workshops or events and see, you know, what's the truth? Where is there no truth? What are we actually teaching? And You know, I find that now higher truth is much more important than it used to be in my 20s in terms of, you know, everything in my life. So we're also looking at themes like celestial beings and cosmic exploration. And again, having been in this industry for a very long time, I've come across a lot of people writing about angels, for example, or archangels. And I don't like fluffy. I have this thing about, you know, and I feel something could be made up to sound good or 
just sound doesn't just sounds too good to be true. It sounds a bit magical, you know. And I've spent a lot of time, you know, as I said in all of my thirties, um, looking into what does spirituality mean to me, and and like how can I find the depth of it and the essence of what it could be. And obviously everybody's unique, but also the truth, you know, the truth that we can connect to. And I guess, you know, what I discovered was very different <laughs> to the books that uh, were popular about these topics and, you know, what these beings are really here to do and how they're here to help us or guide us or encourage us or challenge us. And so, again, you know, I wrote about it and different perspectives of, you know, why you might want to choose one path instead of another path and why you might like you could get more insight and more information based on choosing the path less travel than the path more traveled, you know, the, you know, the harder path rather than the easier one. And again, then the, I feel like with knowledge, there's choice, you know, and so, you know, and then we're looking at the soul and your karma. And also there's a lot in this book about looking at the spiritual point of view in the spiritual realm. I guess for me, it's from a perspective, I have learned a lot of this also from people who are very scientific as well. Because yeah. my logical mind needs to feel like everything's connected. I am not a person that can learn from channeling. I don't. It's not something that sits well within me. I need more proof. Like I need. Give me some data. Yeah, <laughs> you need more depth, more understanding. I I research. Like I'm a researcher. Yeah. So a lot of this could be a little bit different to some of the other information that's out there, and can challenge people in their own belief systems. But I guess I feel like that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's um. We'd look at ancestral healing as well and sexuality and spiritual awakening and intuition and what does inner mastery potentially looks like. So those are the themes. And then there's a lot of, um, I guess, just short chapters and what is great again. And my publisher, like there's a whole section of processes yeah. to do. And from ancestral release to self-love process to, to connecting and self-healing and so on and trauma release. And I was like, okay, I'm putting those processes in and that should be good enough. And then my fellowship came back to me and she said, look, and I, when I was sitting with this book, I was like, oh, this is like, this is deep. This is very deep stuff. Uh, am I ready? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and then she, she goes, but I do need you to go over the book and put processes or what did we call them? Transformational steps right. for each chapter. And I was like, there's a lot of chapters here because, <laughs> you know, I wanted it to be a book that you can pick up and just go, look, I want to learn about the soul and spirit, you know, and you open it on that page. And now you kind of have this meditation, this awareness of what is a soul and the spirit or, you know, what nourishes and refines your soul and, you know, why do we need sleep? You know, there's yeah, yeah. all sorts of really interesting <laughs> things in there. And um, 
And she was like, yeah, but we need steps for each one. <laughs> Give me a five-step process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, each part has, you know, something for you to do or to look into or reflect on or participate in, you know. And I do feel like now we're in a time where healing, transformation, spiritual growth is all about participation, you know, how much of you – are you willing to put in to this to participate and transform? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love it, and I think it's great to acknowledge that, like, it's a it's kind of moving goalposts in a way. Like, it's a different space now to what it was ten years ago or thirty years ago, mm. and I think that's important too. You know, because the cosmic kind of psyche continues to develop and change, and so I like it in some ways. It's, a, it's like a bit of an update. Well, it is, yeah. And I think, you know, the whole thing of modern spirituality was that it's like even though so many of the concepts in here came from me looking into the past, so to speak, I guess the biggest things that I'm interested in is looking at what's worked and then bringing it into the present because it's always changing. Like you said, there's always – change and evolution and transformation and so to you know when people say well I'm just following something from you know 2,000 or 5,000 years ago without necessarily looking at well hold on a sec but what about now yeah (laughs) you know how is this relevant Mm. to now and what's happening right now and what are the questions that I need to ask right now and you know one of the things that has really I've sat with for years and years is that the awareness that in the past, we didn't have the same issue with addictions because I, I noticed mm. you mentioned that, mm. um, that we have right now. It's mm. like there is so much that's going on which weakens your sense of self and because it weakens your sense of self, it's so much easier to control people who are not clear within themselves and what they stand for, who they are, what they're about. And so a huge part of both the card deck and, you know, mm-hmm. and the book and everything that I'm doing right now is to go, hey, what do you believe and why do you believe it? If you actually sat there and thought about the why and maybe there's another way or there's a different reason or maybe what worked for you 10 years ago is not what works for you anymore and so your why needs to change and your thinking needs to change and how you your belief systems need to change totally and that's i think it's important work because that's how we stay in integrity with ourselves it's like oh these are my values these are the things that i believe this is why and i know that to be true cool right that's me that's what i'm doing now that's my approach to life Whereas if we don't do that work and we're kind of working on a, an operating system of 10 years ago and we're doing things that don't serve us anymore and we're not in integrity with ourselves and we just kind of don't feel great, we're in that space, you know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I love your work and, um, yeah, I need to get myself a copy of that book and give it a read. <laughs> um, awesome. It has been a good hour and 20 <laughs> and um i'm so grateful to have uh, for you to have put the time aside for us to chat it's an honor you kind of mentioned earlier but if people want to find out more about you should they just google you you know <laughs> well just going to my website inasegal.com is probably the easiest we're always working on 
making it better and improving it and then also offering like free classes or free master classes where people can get a real taster of what I do and I think sometimes people go oh if it's a free master class I'm not going to get much out of it but I don't do it like you know what other people do mm-hmm. where if I do something for free I always feel like you know there has to be a lot of value you know for somebody to take three or four or two hours out of their day you know I want them to walk away with something where they feel different you know they've discovered stuff and they are inspired and have new ways of doing things so yeah so please watch it you know for transformation and I've had so much feedback where people have said I've watched your class over and over again because there's processes that I'm doing and I'm feeling so much better and I'm really changing and so it's just a really great start yeah amazing and just because they're not paying for it the currency that they are conversing with is time yeah that's an important currency very important (laughs) amazing thank you so much it's been a pleasure (laughs) thank you If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.